good to see some students back. Welcome, guys, girls. Um, I, know, I know tonight is All Campus Communion. Um, we, will, we will get done by 25 past 6, okay? Um, so we'll make sure you get out of here in time. Is there enough time, Finn? We'll see. Unless the Holy Spirit is smiting you, then do whatever he's doing. Um, so, welcome back. Uh, we've had a good summer, I think. Bless you, Lisa. Is that the first of many, maybe? Um, Finn, do you remember what we, what we were um, talking about when you left? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what we're still talking about? <laughs> well, on that note, the good news is that Matt did declare to Tyler and I that he has actually reached the stage of humility. So, <laughs> praise for Matt. Um, <laughs> feel free to bring him down when you see him. Um, <laughs> I think he actually did something that was slightly humble and he thought he had made it. We were just surprised. Um, we, um, we, are, we are at the end of the series, though. Um, obviously not the end of the journey. This is, um, this is lifelong. It's one of the things that Jesus calls us into the rest of our lives. Uh, to humble ourselves before him. And so, uh, tonight, I, I, I know, students, you've, you've missed a lot of sermons, I guess, maybe 10 or 11 or so. Um, but it's been a long series. We started on the 16th of April. It's a long, long time. That's a long time. That's a long time, Brandon. Yeah. Gone are the days or, of two or three sermons in a series. Um, and I, I just, tonight, I, I wanted to go back over some of the ways that I and others have described it. I want us to remember the scripture that we have heard several times, but I want us to hear it again. I want us to take it with us, and I want us to meditate on it, and I want us to hold it. And I, I want to link um, into where we are going next. Okay, so and kind of give us a preview for what's coming next, what's, what the next series is that the Lord has, has put on our hearts. And I'm, I'm so excited. Um, and those, those of you who have been here since the beginning might remember that I, I said that I was scared of this series. That, that doesn't happen very often. I was scared of the one on sin. That was scary. This was scary for a different reason. And I, I was scared of where the Lord was going to ask me to go, where he was going to ask us to go. Because humility generally means that he has to strip some stuff off us. And we have to be honest with ourselves and... And that turned out to be true. There were some sermons where, which were really quite hard for me to give. Maybe hard for you to hear, for good or bad. Um, the funny thing is, I find myself today weeping. Um, and it's a strange thing, but weeping because this is the last time I'm going to preach on this for a while. And it's, and it's become something that's really precious to me. The things that it's drawn me into, the the ways that I believe Jesus has shown his heart to us, that's just become really precious to me. And um, 
I know that this is not the end, obviously. It is a lifelong thing. And I, and I, I pray that everything we do, whether it's meeting together or reading our Bibles or just interacting during the day or worshiping, whatever we do, that humility is just going to keep infiltrating and infiltrating everything we do. Because if it does, it means that the Spirit of Christ is infiltrating us more and more and flowing out of us more and more. So, it's been a long series, so maybe you won't remember these things. Forgive me if this is all repetition for a little while. But to remind us, humility is to be dependent on God. It is the opposite of pride, which is to be dependent on ourselves. It's giving him majesty and authority over us and not claiming it for ourselves. My favorite definition was from Andrew Murray. And he says of it, of humility, it is simply... And that seems a a weird word to use because it never seems to be simple to me. But he says it is simply, and appreciate that word because this is a wise man. It is simply the sense of entire nothingness. Which comes when we see how truly God is all. And in which we make our way for God to be all. It doesn't sound simple. But he calls us to make it simple. So it's about emptying ourselves. It's about truly abiding in Christ. And one of the things I've said many times, but I, I think is one of the things that the real revelations that I've seen is you know, that humility is not listed as a gift of the Spirit, which is, you know, you might think it would be. But that it's, this, it's the soil It's the soil in which the fruit of the Spirit grows. And the more we cultivate it, the more the fruit of the Spirit will grow in us. And the fruit grows because as we are humbling ourselves, we are emptying ourselves, we are making more room for God, and so that fruit is going to grow. Because the Spirit is going to manifest more and more in us. And the the more that I've studied this, the more I've I've started to think of humility as the greatest praise that we can give Jesus. The ultimate sacrifice that he calls us to, giving up ourselves. That's what humility represents, the greatest praise, us, given to him. One of the scriptures that we've read a few times in Matthew 20 and Jesus said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we, as we hear that scripture God is so gracious to us, isn't he? So merciful to us all the time. But let's not lose sight of when Jesus says things in Scripture, he is often very black and white. He's not asking us to middle and fudge the gray. He's, okay, he's saying, it must not be amongst you. That you must serve. If you want to be great, be a servant. 
It's what he expects of us. Some more scriptures. Luke 14 and Luke 18. Jesus telling two stories for the same point, which means he really means it. In both of these stories, he's talking about humility, and he says, "Forever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." Again, two promises, two qualifications. If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. James said, "Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up." Again, a promise. If you will, He will. If you will humble yourself, God will lift you up. And the slightly scary one from First Peter, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we are, we are crying out for God to move and we're crying out for God's presence and for God's healing and for God's ministry and his presence amongst us. And the last thing we want is to resist him. The last thing we want is for pride to re- resist our Father. And perhaps the thing that, that we've said more than anything else in this, in this series is that we are pursuing humility. And this is the most important thing, and I will say it a hundred times if I have to, but we're doing it because we're, we're following the model that he gives us. So the verses on Philippians 2, Paul says, you must, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We have this incredible God that we follow who gave up everything. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, really amazing history podcast. They talk about all sorts of things. And they were doing one on, um, on gods. It was really quite fascinating. So talking about Greek gods and Viking gods and Roman gods. And so many myths. So many interesting things that people believe. Interesting commonalities. But I wonder sometimes when we, um, we think about Jesus, it's so far back, and I know we believe it, but do we sometimes think about it as a myth or just all that theological idea? And we lose sight of this was actual God, the creator of all things, who in time and space came into the world. And he gave up everything, and he didn't just give up everything, but he came knowing that he would be rejected and he would be beaten and he'd be abused and he'd be scourged and he'd be hung on a tree. And he does it willingly because he loves us. And so our response, (laughs) our response to that should be to give our lives for him. But his, his life, his life is lived in humility to the Father. These amazing verses in John, the verse in John 5, 19. I'll read two different versions. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. This man who is healing hundreds, if not thousands, of people 
People want to make king. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's Jesus. He's doing all the things that we know he did, and yet he says, I can do nothing. It's all the Father. The NET translation puts it like this. So Jesus answered them, I tell you the solemn truth. The Son can do nothing of his own initiative, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Such an amazing, humble heart. I do nothing of my own initiative. I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, maybe five out of 50 things I actually ask God about before I do them on a good day. Maybe I remember to ask him once. And Jesus, the one who has intimacy with the Father, absolute intimacy with the Spirit, is like, I do nothing. I, I wait. On his initiative, I act. I can do nothing in my own strength. Jesus puts away his glory and he's obedient to the Father and then that's what he calls us to do. He calls us to put away ourselves, to die to ourselves. With the promise that if we die to ourselves, we will in fact find life. And Taylor, for those that Taylor has this wonderful new slogan, don't we? Life to the full. Life to the full. I wonder if we had a little like asterisk with small type underneath, just make sure you die to yourself. It's not there yet. Maybe we'll put it in. You know? But that's the reality of the Christian life. Yeah, it is life to the full, and that's an amazing promise. But don't lose sight of the fact that you get that when you die. That's when your life to the full comes, because that's when you actually get in Christ. If you're not dead to yourself, it's your flesh still operating. Or it's religion operating, and you don't have life to the full. I guarantee it. It's not possible. And of course, Jesus is our model. And as we said, you know, he gave up everything that was good. He actually only asked us to give up everything that ultimately is bad for us. It's a completely unequal exchange. It's a beautiful exchange. And we give up our flesh, we give up our rights, and we get him. We get him. If we need any more reason to pursue humility than to get more of him, I, I, I don't know what else to say, actually. <laughs> Perhaps the, the most surprising thing, and I've talked about this a bit, and I'll say a little bit more about it later, if not tonight, in the next series. But there is this expectation that humility maybe implies weakness, that we become like doormats, you know. Don't fight with anyone, don't argue with anyone, just be meek and mild and then cause ripples in the water and, you know. And if, and if you think Jesus is the humble one, I was reading John 8, um, and this will be for another sermon at another time, but it's an amazing passage. It's one of these ones where Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees and, and, he's, and he's, saying, he's talking about his testimony, his witness. And they're saying, well, how should, why should we believe you? You're one man. And Jesus is saying, well, it's me, but I'm speaking on my father's behalf, so there's two of us. And by the way, it's the Father, so you better listen. And then, you know, there's that passage we know really quite well, I think, at the end of John 8, when, when Jesus um, starts to say to people, your father is the devil, and he's a liar. You are all liars. Do you remember that scripture? It's kind of, you know, it doesn't seem like the most humble thing to say, does it? And what's actually quite interesting there is if you, if you skip over uh, 8 verse 31, you'll you'll miss the fact that when he gets to that really quite firm section, he's actually talking to the people that Scripture says, those who believed him. 
He's not with the Pharisees anymore. He's with those who believed him, but he still knows their hearts, and he pushes them, and he pushes them. He says, if Abraham was actually your father, you would believe me, but he's not your father. Jesus does not look weak in John chapter 8 at any stage. And this is, this is the, the thing I expected the least from thinking about humility and the thing maybe I've, I've enjoyed the most is it actually strengthens because you're no longer trying to control everything. You're no longer trying to make everything about yourself. Even fear of man has started to dissipate because if you don't really care about yourself, you don't really care what people say or think about you. It's a strength to it which I didn't expect. And we'll come back to that when we get into our next series. So speaking of which, so our next series, you know, titles or, you know, whatever, you know, um, we were talking about this last night, this draft meeting, but um, informally titled the next series is, is, is Naturally Supernatural. Okay, what does it mean for us to walk in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit? So we spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves and preparing our hearts and this is going to be about us getting out, okay? And about the kingdom of God operating out of us. And I'm not going to make you go and do things that you don't want to do. The Lord might, but I'm not going to, okay? But you are going to, you are going to think and be trained about ministering the power of the Spirit. And we're going to do that for, I'm only promising that we'll do that for three weeks. I know, <laughs> that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Okay, and then at the end of September, um, Reverend Richard Fothergill is coming, so please, um, that last 31st, 30th of September, 1st of October, the, last day, the Saturday, last Saturday, and first Sunday, um, we're going to have a, like a mini-conference with some training in the morning, worship and ministry in the evening, uh, and then church, but Richard will be here to preach on Sunday as well. Um, I'm going to see if I can get him onto Taylor's campus as well to meet with students. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to talk about this, and then you know, Richard is he's a man um, who has walked with the Spirit in a way that is incredibly rare, and he's gentle. He will quite happily argue with you theologically. He's very well trained. Um, he loves to teach, but he actually really likes, likes to minister more. So if I give him like an hour and a half, he'd like to preach for like 10 minutes, then minister for like the rest, you know. But I've asked him to please do some training, do some teaching, but he wants to minister. He wants to show us what it is to minister in the Spirit. Uh, his personal gift is, is um, prophetic and words of knowledge. Um, and um, he's, he's a man of great humility. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, and I said this before, that he was supposed to come in the spring, and uh, we had to cancel for several reasons. And I, and I think that was just what God wanted, what he needed, that he wanted us to spend these months preparing our hearts because we are going to be asking him to pour out his spirit. We're going to be asking him to give gifts, remind us of gifts that we have, to be filled with his spirit in you. And I know that the Father will pour out his spirit on people that are of humble heart. Not that we are humble, but that we have at least the attitude to be humble, the desire to be humble, to position ourselves in humility before him. That's, that's all he asks, will we seek him.
So be excited. Um, bring, bring your friends. If, if you have friends, particularly students, if you have friends who have never encountered the Spirit, and then they're a little bit scared of the Spirit, um, Rich is a really good guy to introduce you to the gifts of the Spirit. Just, he's very gentle. And when he starts to um, read your mail, it's pretty obvious that he's listening to the Lord. It can be quite entertaining. <laughs> but he's a man, he was, um, he was Grace's priest when she was born. So uh, we've known him for about 24 years. So that's where we're going next. And we'll start that, in, we'll start that series in September. So back to scripture. I'm almost done. In John 12. Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So as we think about going into a season of thinking about the Holy Spirit really explicitly and thinking about gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I want us to remember that humility is not an optional extra. It is exactly what Christ has called us to. The Father will honor those who will serve Jesus. Francis Schaeffer, maybe only the older people in the room will know who that is. I don't know if young people still read Francis Schaeffer. Okay, good. That's a relief. This is a line from one of his more famous sermons. Christians must humble themselves to know the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. To the extent that we do not humble ourselves, there will be no power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Lord's work in the Lord's way is the Lord's work in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in the power of the flesh. Will we have a heart as we pursue the Spirit, as we pursue the power of God and the kingdom of God in us? Will we pursue humility? And so I want to finish with just one, um, one final thought about humility. And again, it's one of those things that kind of surprised me. These things are kind of obvious, I guess, when you, get, when you think about them later. But um, in some of the sermons students have missed, we've talked about um, the flesh and we've talked about religious pride. And maybe we talked about that a bit while here and I think we went deeper and, you know, it's been a long series. And we do, we do have choices, obviously. We, and we always have choices as Christians because God gave us free will. So we always have the choice to ignore him and to ignore scripture. We have the choice to rebel. Okay. If we rebel, to state the obvious, we are very unlikely to experience intimacy with God. We're very unlikely to experience the power of his spirit. Okay. It says in the Old Testament that God views rebellion like witchcraft. In other words, he really doesn't like it. 
But as Christians, most of us, we try not to rebel, don't we? It's not like our first priority, and we try not to. So our second option, the one that we choose more often, is that we, 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 try, we be religious. And we get this fake humility, this false humility. It has the appearance of good. It might have the appearance of humility, but it's normally wrapped up in us striving. It's wrapped up in us trying to make our faith about us, trying to earn God's favor, and all those sorts of things that we've talked about. And the third way is, is the way of humility. The religious spirit is a lie. It will not bring us into humility. It will not bring us into intimacy. And again, this might be a really obvious thing to say, but it's what I really felt the Lord wanting to, wanting to press on us as a body. Final message about humility. Okay. Um, scripture is absolutely full of incredible promises. And some of those, those promises are general, you know, they're from, from Genesis to Revelation. So the Bible is full of promises. And Jesus says some pretty crazy things himself. The Bible's full of crazy things. Jesus says some crazy things. He says some beautiful things. And he says things that we, we maybe struggle to actually grapple and bring to truth in our lives. You know, those, those things about the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The Father and I will come and we'll make a home in you. Greater works than I did, you will do. Greater works. You will raise the dead and you will drive out demons. These things that we all know to be true, religion will tell us, yes, those are true. But then we will spend our lives trying to get to some sort of point where we are worthy of seeing them happen. Always. It will always... Sorry. It will will always bring the lens back onto ourselves. What am I doing? How am I messing up? And, and, and humility, the, the willingness to give up ourselves and to become nothing to him, is to abide. It is to be deeply rooted in Christ. And where that can take us, if we will step into, us, into it, is actually that no longer all of these promises, they no longer actually are anything to do with us. They are 100%. They are completely to do with him and his faithfulness. I'm going to talk about that the next three weeks because obviously... You can't go out and sin and do everything because that would be rebellion, okay? Obviously, but it's not about works, it's about heart. And, and I, I, was, I was chatting to Luke Smith the other day and we were, we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit and we were talking about the religious spirit and, you know, <laughs> Jesus calls, you know, the Pharisees, you, you sons of hell. You take a convert and you also make him into a son of hell. Again, hard words. There's death there. And humility, actually, if you are truly humble before the Lord and, it's, and, and your relationship with him is no longer about you, 
know, me and what I've done or haven't done, but actually I can get to a place where I can just believe. I can't just believe that actually he wants intimacy with me. That that's the whole purpose, is to draw me into a relationship and, and to let me be an ambassador of his father's kingdom, my father's kingdom. That I can pray with the power of the Holy Spirit and I can trust the father to do what the father would do. But it's about him. I just have to partner with him. But there's a freedom in that and maybe it's really, really hard for me to explain. But if I had to, if I had, if I had to try and kind of try and title what I, for a title for the sermon rather than just the last sermon in humility, what I, what I felt Jesus saying, it, it is to let go. To let go. Humility is not about striving, it's about letting go. As he let go of everything and surrendered himself to the Father's will, we let go and we surrendered to the Father's will. We let him work out the details of that, but let go. Some of us need to let go of shame. and Some of us need to let go of religious striving. And some of us, yeah, we need, to, we need to let go of trying to prove that we are worthy of his spirit and worthy of his love. And in humility, accept his word, accept his promises that they are absolutely applicable to every person in this room. So will you pray with me? Andrew Murray has a prayer in his book. Um, it's really old English, so I've, I've, I've paraphrased it. Towards the end of his book on humility, he says, Every Christian, make this your cry. Say it as often as you remember it on your knees before your Father. But cry out to him. Father, take out of me anything, everything that prevents your life and spirit flowing into me. Make me a vessel that can be inhabited by you. And Father, we honor you as our God, as the Lord of all lords. And we ask that your presence, your tangible presence, will fill this place. That you will show us more and more of your, of your glory and your power. We pray, Jesus. We pray, Jesus, that you will continue to show us who you are. Stepping into humility, Lord, it's so much easier when we see you and we see the, the beauty of the one who is worthy of all of us, of everything that we are. And Holy Spirit, 
Will you fill us? Will you reveal Jesus to us? Would you break off all striving and all shame from failure in the past? Would you bring us into that sweet rest of our Father's presence? Father, I ask that you would would meet each one of your sons and daughters here. Father, would you let them know that they are loved?